Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. All right, the time is now seven minutes past the hour. Let's get to our guest, Manishi Rechaduri, who's head of equity research in the Asia-Pacific at BNP Paribas. Manishi, is it too soon to be playing a, a softer approach from the Fed, or is that what people do in equity markets? They get out in front. Equity markets have a habit of um, looking ahead, obviously, and uh, you know that's clearly what's been happening. If you look at Asia, if you look at the developed markets, it's not unusual. But at the same time, we must point out that the basic uh, hike trajectory of the Fed and the final Fed funds rate outlook has not changed. We are still focusing on a 5.25% terminal Fed rate um, to be reached sometime in the first quarter of 2023, which means um, maybe a 50 basis points hike in December, followed by another 75 basis points spread across the first quarter of next year. So, you know, I think this initial euphoria that we have seen on the back of an expectation of a downshift in December would possibly get capped sometime around the end of this year or early next year. Manisha, I wanted to ask you about the, the China story, these very distressing pictures mm. we're seeing uh, in China at the moment, and, and whether or not these protests dent the potential newfound optimism that we had towards Chinese uh, assets and, and the overall economy. Um, it seems clear that this whole reopening process in China um, will be some kind of a zigzag. It'll be a set of small incremental steps, um, maybe spread over the next six months. Who knows? Um, at the same time, it seems clear to us that the Chinese administration is focusing on um, you know, improving the Chinese economy, particularly um, domestic consumption. That's apparent in the way they're trying to gradually move out of the zero COVID policy. We think that they will continue to do so. And also in the most recent triple R cut that we saw over the weekend, um, even though the the impact of these monetary policy adjustments are possibly declining gradually. So it needs a more concerted effort, um, you know, combining both fiscal and monetary policy action to improve um, and uh, sustainably improve domestic consumption. 
So, so one of the conviction points that you've you've been making is uh, to play financials uh, because you right. like the rising rate environment. Uh, and obviously, mm-hmm. for the banks, I mean, it's good normally to mm. to borrow low and loan it out higher. But when you look at the at the ten year yield, uh, actually lower than what we see in short term interest rates, um, that may not be a good thing for the banks. Um, well, I think at least as far as this part of the world is concerned, the emerging markets and particularly emerging Asia, there's been a strong correlation with yields going up and the banking sector outperforming. It tends to happen for different reasons in different pockets of Asia. Um, but for much of North Asia, you know what we tend to call developed Asia, the correlation with the, of the net interest margins of the banks with rising yields is almost incontrovertible you know, over the past maybe 10 to 15 years. And that's what we continue to play. We have played that theme for uh, you know, about 18 months now. And we think that theme is likely to be alive for you know, at least about the next six months. Talking about uh, what your market outlook and strategy is for Asia heading into, I guess, the last month of 2022 and into 2023, we mentioned some of the overweights you have. I'm curious as to your underweight on Taiwan. I was just talking about uh, the election there over the weekend, but uh, Mm -hmm. it does look like global investors are keen on Taiwan. Foreigners returning after five months of net outflows. Why are you underweight here? Right. Um, Taiwan still suffers, along with other North Asian tech hardware exporters, from potential demand deterioration in the developed markets. That's been the theme for over last one to one and a half years. We think that um, you know, the potential demand retrenchment is not yet over. It's continuing and will likely last at least till the first half of next year. Our forecast about the recessionary environment in the U.S. and Eurozone are that it will possibly um, begin sometime in the second quarter of next year and continue for much of 2023. So in this context, we think what we're seeing in North Asia, particularly Taiwan and Korea, is a bit of a pop resulting from a risk of environment because of the downshift, the expected downshift to the Fed rate hike trajectory. But I think the, um, you know, the case for a fundamentally cautious attitude is still there. It's quite interesting uh, because you mentioned that you, you also like India, um, but you, you, you are overweight Indian IT. So mm. there, there is some tech that you like. Right, indeed. And that's the departure from our usual trend. We think investors across the world are equating Indian IT with the uh, you know, the North Asian tech hardware exporters. But there's a fundamental difference. The kind of order inflows that the Indian IT companies have seen, the frontline large cap Indian IT companies over the last one to one and a half years are relatively long term in nature. These orders give a visibility, a revenue visibility to the Indian IT companies over the next year. And I think that provides some kind of defensive quality to the Indian IT sector. Um, the valuations are cheaper than they used to be about six months ago. I think the depreciation of the Indian rupee is also a tailwind to these companies. Okay, uh, India IT, we mentioned some of your other overweights, uh, Thailand, Indonesia, and you've mentioned neutral on China. What are, what are some of the other areas you're sticking away from? 
Right. Um, the main themes that we're focusing on um, as far as Asia is concerned in 2023 are Financials, of course, we already discussed that. Um, we also like the reopening theme across Asia, and we are playing pockets of China, a few in Hong Kong, and um, uh, a few pockets in Thailand, of course. That's one of the biggest reopening beneficiaries in Asia. Um, we are also positive on the consumption theme, particularly um, you know, consumer discretionaries. And in the context of some markets like India, it actually translates into what we call affluent consumption or really the upper end consumption. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's basically consumer discretionaries, selective consumer staples and financials. Those are the three sectors that we're positive on. Okay, we can tell from your voice, Manishi, and we know you well enough that uh, you've got a lot of experience and you're a seasoned veteran looking at um, at uh, policy in Asia. How dangerous is it getting for the leadership in China here at the moment with the kind of repressed anger that we see mm -hmm. under the surface in China? You know, as far as uh, Chinese policymaking is concerned, it seems clear that the first thing that they would have to focus on is improving domestic consumption or more broadly, improving the environment for domestic consumption. Um, and that is something this zero COVID policy has harmed over the mm. last one to one and a half years. And mm. we believe that the Chinese administration would like to get away from this zero COVID policy. But mm. it also seems clear that it's not going to be a one shot kind of action. It's going to be a small steps of, you know, set of small steps over. Yep, long uh, and protracted, no doubt. Manishi, we thank you as always. Manishi Rashadari, Head of Equity Research APAC at BNP Paribas. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.